0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church.
1: That's faith.church.
0: So here we go, guys. We are continuing with the series of Living For God in an Ungodly Culture. But before I get to this message today, one quick reminder for you men. All the men say, Yep. Come on, that's a good grunt. I like it. Um, this Friday, we're going to have a men's barbecue right out of here at the tent on the west, uh, the west parking lot. Here, you can come. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm going to share um, a little bit of word for you as men. We're going to eat together. Pastor Nathan's going to lead us in some worship. We're going to spend some time as men together. Men, we need each other. We need each other to, to rally around each other. We need to know that we're on a journey with other men who carry the similar burdens that we do. And so the best way that we start carrying each other's burdens is we eat burgers together. And then we start the great journey of being what God's called us to be. Amen? Amen. So you can join us at 6.30. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's five bucks to come. You can register or you can walk up, whatever you decide. But you can do that on the website. So guys, we are continuing this series. And for the last two months, we've been in the book of Daniel. And we've been learning from his life and how to live for God in an ungodly culture. And how many know this, that it is very important to understand how you can be a light in this dark world today. Amen? It's so important we understand that there is an agenda after your mind, your heart, your body, your children, your family, your marriage, your sexuality, everything about you. The enemy has a plan for it. Amen? He has a plan for it. But this is the great thing. God created those things and he has a plan too. He wants to bless your life. He wants to move in your life. But we needed to understand over the last couple of months that there is a strategy against you, against this world, against everything that God created for divine order in this world. The enemy attacks it. And to think that's not happening is—it means you've just had your head in the sand for a really long time or you're too afraid to admit it's actually happening. But God has equipped us through His Word to be children of the light that we can stand, that we can be people who know the truth. We anchor our life to the Word of God, not to the opinions of men, nor even our desires. We anchor our life to the Word. It is is steadfast, and it will forever be what we anchor our lives to. And so we are continuing to lean in and learn from this. Now, it's obvious today that in our Christian culture that there are some Christians who have I guess drank the Kool-Aid, I would say, of culture and spend, they've been seduced to believe that in order to be themselves, to truly be free, that they are to elevate their personal preferences above the Word of God or above the desires of God for their life. Many Christians have fallen victim and they've been lost to culture. And what's happened is they've lost all of their kingdom authority that they would walk in and push the gates of hell backwards because they have been seduced. Seduced to believe. Seduced to submit. Seduced to bow. What we saw in the book of Daniel is we saw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego who refused to bow. Daniel refused to bow. And they continued to stand and God met them supernaturally in their journey. And so Daniel has taught us how to stand. But as we shifted a bit, it was so important, we, under, we, we, we got it in our hearts. Church, we're called to stand. But also, church, we're called to reach those around us in this culture God's placed us in. I hope you understand that. I hope you know that God has a purpose for you. That he has set you and created you to have a purpose. That's something that wakes you up in the morning and something that keeps you up at night as you dream. And think, God, how do you want to use me? God's looking for people that say, God, use me to this lost and broken generation and world. And friends, that's you. God's called you and wants to use you. Everybody say this, God wants to use me. I hope you know that. So many times we think, you know what, I, I'm saved, that's, that's great. No, God saved you for a purpose, for a reason. He put, he put blood in your body so that you can use yourself, your body, to serve him and to serve his kingdom and to reach people around you. And so today I, I want us to look at how to reach those who are trapped in an ungodly culture or trapped in sin or been seduced by culture How do we reach them with the gospel of Jesus Christ? And the greatest example we can read and learn from is Jesus. Because Jesus came to reach those who were hurting and broken. And to set up this passage today, Jesus had been ministering. He'd been been doing works all, all over the place and in and around Jerusalem. And he decided it's time to go back to Galilee. So he leaves Jerusalem, which is the center of Jewish worship, and he heads to Samaria. Now listen, Samaria for the Jews are those who are untouchable. Nobody wants to be around the Samaria. Nobody does. The Samaritans, are, they, are, they are untouchable. And you need to understand why. They were untouchable because centuries earlier, the Samaritans built a temple at Mount Gerizim. So they built a temple... But the Jews had built, built the temple on Mount Moriah in Jerusalem. And Jewish people considered the Samaritans ethnically, ethnically and religiously unclean. And the Samaritans likewise resented and despised the Jewish people. Because the Samaritans were descendants of Israelites. But they decided to worship God or Yahweh their own way and they intermarried with pagans. And so there was all of this animosity between the Samaritans and the Jews. For the Jews, the Samaritans were unclean. You don't touch them. You don't go around them. You don't even speak to them. Matter of fact, they even, you could not even drink or use a vessel that a Samaritan would ever use. You were supposed to stay that far away. That's how much they could. They were, they were untouchable. They were Lost with no hope to return to God. And this is the back setting, or this is the setting. As the Samaritans were, there they were, they had intermarried with pagans after they came out of um, captivity. And then they started mixing Judaism and pagan idol worship. And they, they, they came up with their own worship style. They came up with their own sacrifices. They, they, they came up with counterfeit priests. And, and they were truly in the eyes of the Jewish people, they were were truly disrespecting the God of scriptures. And then they even battled each other. At one one point when when they went to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem, the Samaritans went to help the Jews, but the Jews wouldn't let them help. They felt rejected by the Jews. They felt put down from the Jews. And then years later, the Jews ransacked Samaria and they tore down their temple. So as you can see, there's a lot of stuff going on between the Jews and the Samaritans. And that's the backstory of where we come today. It's at a, a well. And the scene is a well in Samaria where Jesus encounters a sad, lonely, outcast woman. And he reaches out to her. He reaches out to someone that no one would ever reach out to. He reaches out to a group of people that the Jews had written off. that were unclean. You don't even be around them. Stay away. And we come to this beautiful passage of Jesus today. John chapter 4. Jesus came to the Samaritan village of Sychar near the field that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus tired from the long walks sat wearily beside the well about noontime. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water and Jesus said to her, please give me a drink. He was alone at the time because his disciples had, had gone into the village to buy some food. And the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well? How can you offer better water than his sons and His animals enjoy. Jesus replied, Anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh, bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, Give me this water. Then I'll never be thirsty again and I won't have to come here to get water. Go and get your husband, Jesus told her. Now, look at this interaction. She says, I don't have a husband. The woman replied, Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband for you have had five husbands and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. So tell me, why is it that you Jews in Sister Jerusalem is the only place for worship while well, we Samaritans claim it here at Mount Gerizim where our ancestors worship? Jesus replied, believe me, dear woman, a time is coming when it will no longer matter whether you worship the Father on this mountain or in Jerusalem. You Samaritans know very little about the one you worship, while we Jews know all about him for salvation comes through the Jews. But the time is coming indeed. It's here now. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth, the Father is looking for those, now catch this, who will worship him that way. For God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who was called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her? Or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well Ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? This is such a beautiful interaction of Jesus to someone who is trapped by sin in an ungodly culture. You couldn't get more untouchable than this woman. Not only was she a Samaritan, but she had made some poor life choices. She was looking to find pleasure or find satisfaction in relationships, and one fell through after another. She was broken. And so God wants to use you like Jesus reached out to this woman. He wants to use you to reach those who are trapped in an ungodly culture. Usually Christians are in one or two camps when it comes to reaching people. One is Christians are big on standing, which we've been talking about for two months. Very important. Yes, we stand. We stand for what's right. We, stand, we don't compromise. We stand for the truth of God. But many in that camp of standing are not good at reaching the lost. And the other camp are those who are all about reaching and loving those around them and the lost. But many don't stand strong. If you would, if you would be on that of that position of reaching and loving, and, and but those in that camp, many of them don't stand strong because you don't want to offend anyone. And so you have these two camps, stand strong. Ungodly people, get away from me. Not, not remembering you once were ungodly. And then you have this other one, no, love everybody, but don't speak truth because you don't want to offend anybody. So these are the two extremes. But the truth is this, church, God has called you and he's called me to do both. To hold true to the word, submit ourselves under it, and because we do, we then lift our eyes to the people around us that we are to share hope and joy and life and the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ through our lives. I began this series telling you this is a discipleship series. This is going to challenge us, and this is going to to, to encourage us to be what God's called us to be. And this is part of that. It is standing but also reaching the broken and the hurting. That's what we see Jesus doing. And those needing you to reach them with God's love, you need to know that God put you in their life to reach them, to minister to them. So how do you reach those trapped and lost in an ungodly culture? How do you reach those that would be the untouchables? I want you to think about it for a moment. Who are the untouchables in your life? Who are they? Are, is, is it a person who looks a certain way? Is it an individual who, who, who maybe doesn't look like you? Is it someone who is trapped in, in re- very obvious immoral sin in their life? And you've just said, they're done. I turn them over to the devil. The problem is God called you to reach them and share the gospel with them. So how do you do it? And let's learn from Jesus today. Number one, we need to understand the perspective of the ones that we are reaching. We need to understand. Now, this doesn't mean we have to say their perspective is right, but we need to understand their perspective or where they're coming from. There's something unusual about this woman that Jesus finds at the well. She's coming to the well at the hottest part of the day instead of the cool of the morning or the evening. It's unusual that she's also coming alone. I want you to to picture that she's it's it's the hottest part of the day and she's there alone. What's going on? She's drawing water. And traditionally, this is something that the women did together. It was kind of like their social thing, and they did it every day, and they would, go to the, they would go to the well all together, one, for their protection, but they would go and draw together, and they'd catch up on the latest gossip, and they'd probably chat and talk, and they'd make their way back. It was part of their lives. But this woman's alone. This woman was obviously marked by something in her life, something in her past that made her different that made her not only untouchable from the Jews, but untouchable from the people in her own community. And when we we reach people who were lost and who are trapped in sin, we must consider where they're coming from. And when we do that, when we consider what they've been through, when we consider where they're coming from, what it does, it, it positions our hearts to see them the way that God sees them. For this woman, Jesus approaches her alone. Why would he do that? Well, one, he didn't want to show up with a bunch of other dudes who also would have been rejecting her. He shows up alone to not intimidate her with all the, all the other men. He was able to expose her brokenness of her heart. And it was a private moment between him and her. Jesus honored this hurting, precious woman. She had had pain. Her perspective, there was pain from the Jews. There was pain from, obviously, the rejection of men. There was pain from, from all of her failed marriages. Pain from never feeling like she was enough in a relationship. Pain from knowing that if she didn't have a man in her life, that she couldn't provide for herself. Pain from never being fully known and not, never being fully loved pain from rejection of her own people, rejection of men in her life that she was marrying to to have a good life, to, to be normal and to maybe have children, but they just failed one time after another. We don't know the circumstances, but what we do know is that she was thirsty for love. And when you're around those in need of Jesus, It's important we consider what they've been through. Here's the question for you. Have you considered what people have been through? This doesn't mean you don't share Jesus with them, but it means that you see them the way that Jesus sees them. When you consider their perspective, it allows you to see past what you can see with your own eyes and and realize their heart is desperate for you. To number two, what we learn from Jesus, to reach them with the love and the grace of Jesus Christ. The average person in the United States probably has never heard the clear gospel of Jesus Christ. Most people in church probably haven't heard it. They've heard religion. They've heard what you should not do. But very few people heard that faith in Jesus Christ plus nothing equals everything. Very few people That it's by the grace of God and only through the grace of God that you can be saved. It is the first thing that must happen in your life for you to live the life that God's called you to live. When you're reaching people who have been chewed up and spit out by the devil and the world, who are slaves to sin, broken, desperate, hurting, tormented when you reach out to people that lay in their beds at night and are empty and are lonely and are hurting and they feel the chasm of nothingness in their spirit and soul and they're desperately trying to drink from the world and what the world tells them will satisfy you It'll, it's another relationship it's a it's another gender it's another marriage it's a it's a it's more money it's this, and it's empty and it's broken You need to consider their starting point. Where are they coming from? The first step you need to take is to show them that Jesus Christ wants to save them, forgive them, and give them peace and make them a child of God. That is the first step. And we see this from Jesus. Most people don't know that being a Christian is a life lived from the inside out. The very foundation of Christianity is not behavior. It's not behavior modification. It is about God giving you a new heart, a new life, transforming your mind. It's about God sending His Son to cleanse you from your sin to renew your minds, to cover us with his righteousness. Being a Christian is realizing God did all the work for us and all we have to do is put our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And then we begin to live from our new identity that we have just found by putting our faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. That's that's the gospel. And we, we so many times we are intimidated by the simplicity of the gospel. No, there has to be more. No, there isn't. There is the first step of salvation is faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Period. Nothing else. That's the first step. And we have a hard time with that because we think, no, no, but but what about the behavior? The first step is a new heart. The first step is a new heart. Then The Holy Spirit begins to work. Then they begin the journey of following Jesus. You can't follow Jesus until you hear the invitation, come and follow me. A lot of Christians are mad at the world because they're not following Jesus. They don't even know who Jesus is. You are the voice that's to speak to them and say, let me tell you, Jesus wants to save you. Jesus wants to heal you. Church, if we don't tell the world about Jesus, who will? Who will? We're it. It's our job. And so God wants to encourage us to open our hearts and our minds for those around us. This woman at the well didn't even know actually was being, what was being offered to her. This was Jesus, the Son of God. She was blinded. Why? Why didn't, she, why didn't she hear what Jesus was saying? She was blinded by her experiences with other Jews. Look at what Jesus says. He says, you are a Jew. Oh, sorry. She says, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? This should not be. All the other Jews I've come in contact with didn't want anything to do with me. Same way in our lives. You are a Christian. Why are you talking to me? You're, you're, you're a, oh, you go to church. Why, why do you even, all my other experiences with Christians as they were cranky and mean. Why do you care about me? This is what Jesus is doing. But she's blinded by that pain. And Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift, of, gift God has for you and who you're speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. She didn't realize that what she's been looking for her whole life, she didn't realize what she'd been trying to fill her soul and her heart with, with this relationship and and maybe this experience and this person and what I really need is this and what I really need is that she didn't realize everything that the hole that she's been trying to fill with all this stuff, what she's been trying to drink from and get satisfied, she didn't understand What she's been looking for her whole life was right in front of her, and it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus is your answer, and Jesus is the broken world's answer. And the church's function is to, for you as believers, is to be lights in a dark world, to share truth, to stand, to share truth, and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what someone's behavior is, when they get saved, then, their behavior then begins to be submitted to the Word of God as they walk the journey. It's the church's job to disciple, to, to help teach the Word of God. But until then, they can't even obey the Word. Why? Because they're lost and they need Jesus to save them. It's what the gospel is about. I know even for some it's uncomfortable. For you to think, no, but Jason, but what about, I know this person. and You have the untouchable in your mind that you're thinking right now, no, no, uh -uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. They need to change their behavior. Just so you know, it'll never happen until Jesus transforms their heart. And Jesus cannot transform their heart until you tell them that he wants to. People are dying for what you have, and you're the voice to speak to them, just like Jesus. There are people in your life right now that are just like this woman. This meeting for Jesus was no accident. He had planned it all along to be at this well alone. The exact time that she would come to draw water, he had this, he had his whole day planned around this encounter. And Jesus knew what she needed and that he was the only person who could offer it to her. There are people in your life that may be like this woman. They may be marked by their sin. They they may be an outcast of most Christian circles. But you need to know God has placed them in your life on purpose. On purpose. You need to notice that Jesus didn't ignore the brokenness of her own heart. He didn't ignore the journey that she. He called it out. Hey, listen, I know this, and you've been doing this and this and this and this. Another. Why did he do that? Did he do it to shame her? No, he did it to reveal to her. You've been looking for something, and that something is right here. It's me. That's why he did it. He still stood, and he still was truthful, but he offered it in love, and he offered the solution. There's a reason the people in your life are in your life. Jesus is their only hope, and Jesus gave that hope to you, to us, to carry to the broken world. The the dilemma of many Christians, it's in this tension between truth and love. Many are all truth or all love, as I said earlier. If we're all truth, and those sinners are sinners, and the truth is truth, and we write them off, and we don't realize actually God's put us in their life to pray for, to reach, to ask God to give us a window, give us a strategy to reach them. And we, and we, and we pray, and we lean in. And then if we're all love, we, we don't want them to think. That they're lost, so we want them to think that we love them and God loves them. And so we, 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 don't, we don't think I can actually tell the truth that they actually need to get saved because I don't want them to feel bad for not being saved. And so I'm just going to love them and affirm them and celebrate with them and celebrate sin with them and hoping that God would do something. No, you are the something that you God put in their life to reach. You're it. You're to speak truth, but in love. God's kingdom, and this is what makes people uncomfortable, is both inclusive and exclusive. Church is so important that we understand that we embody the heart of God for the world around us. What would a church look like? That we weren't just outward looking, we were outward loving. We were outward living for the purpose of sharing the gospel with a hurting and broken world. And so the enemy gets us distracted with all kinds of stuff. And has anybody been distracted with any types of issues the last two years? I mean, it's crazy. Why? Why do you think the enemy would do that? So that we would get distracted and not do what only we can do. So this kingdom of God is inclusive and exclusive. It's inclusive Because the invitation extends to everyone of all ages, of all nations, of all people, of all races, of all sexual preferences. It extends to them, all of them. It's their only hope. But it's also exclusive because there's only one way to be saved. There's only one way. Acts 4:12 says only one name can bring salvation, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says Jesus is the only way. Christianity says Jesus is the only way. He's the only road that leads to the presence of God. He's the only door into God's kingdom and God's house. It is exclusive. He is the only solution to the brokenness of human hearts and minds and sin. There is no other way. No matter if you're a Jew, if you're a Gentile, if you're an African, if you're Middle Eastern, if you're European, if you're Asian, if you're Native American, if you're Hispanic, if you're Pacific, an Islander, no matter what and who you are, the gospel of Jesus Christ is for you. That's the truth of the gospel. And here's, here's, the, here's the reality. Now, catch me. Hear this. You only have this side of the grave to make the decision to accept Jesus or reject Him. Oh, that's just this. Think about your years and how, how quick they go. Think about a year. And here's the other thing. We only, as believers, have this side of the grave to share the message of Jesus. This is it. We're it. And God wants His church to begin to lift our eyes to the hurting around us. Yes, families, we, we protect our children. We protect them from the indoctrination of the world. Absolutely, we do that. Because we're parents. That's what we do. We raise the value of church. And we raise the value of truth. And we, and we help them know that. And we help them live that out in their lives. And, and yes, you do that. You're parents. That's what we should do. But we also... Remind our kids that the world is there for us to reach, to serve. We, we protect, we put parameters, and we raise up children that can stand strong and share the gospel. And so let me just speak that just for a second. Just because you put parameters around your kids and who influences them, does it mean that you don't love the world? Or does it mean that you're living in a bubble? No, it just means you're a good parent. That's what that means. And we need to know that God's called us as a family to reach the hurting. No matter how untouchable we may think they are, Jesus placed people in your life to reach with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which leads us to our last point. That when we are reaching those around us, we need to realize God has given You, the Holy Spirit, to share Christ with others. He gave you a gift for the purpose of sharing the gospel. If you notice this account of Jesus uses, he uses a spiritual gift. He has a word of knowledge. It's a spiritual gift. So a word of knowledge is something that you would not know through natural data points. It's revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. Jesus uses this gift, to cut through to this woman's heart. You have been given the Holy Spirit. When you gave your life to Jesus, he placed in you his spirit so that you can be a witness. Jesus says, hey, go and get your husband. Did Jesus know her story? Yes, he did. She says, I don't have a husband. What I appreciate about her is she didn't lie, but she didn't tell the whole truth either. She said, I don't have a husband. She had to be thinking, though, think about. Well, you know, that's, that's just a little bit of my story. Little do you know my whole story, but I don't have a husband. Still dealing with where she's at. And Jesus says, you're right, you don't have a husband. You've had five, and you weren't married to the one you're with now. And Jesus uses the supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit to reveal he already knows. Think about it. He already knows this. And he's still there. He already knows everything about her life. And he didn't reject her. He didn't condemn her. He exposes the need that she's been trying to drink from the cup of one relationship after another. And has never been satisfied. And then Jesus offers her what she's been looking for all along. Living water but I want you to catch this real quick. Do you notice when Jesus offers the, the living water, she changes the conversation quickly. She deflects it, boom. She brings up a controversial issue. Obviously she brought up, hey, you know, hey, we don't like each other. Hey, you worship there, I worship here. What did that have to do with the living water? It's, it's strange. She goes, sir, you, you must be a prophet. Yes, so tell me, why do the Jews insist in Jerusalem is the place to worship? What happened? It's very interesting. Remember, there's a lot of history here between these two. A lot of hatred, a lot of pain, a lot of oppression, and that stuff started coming. Hey, listen, friends, when you share Christ with people, with the lost, and they feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, many times they will shift to deflect and bring up a controversial issue of the day. It will happen. What do you think about critical race theory? What about police reform, socialism, gay marriage, the election? Who, who, who really wrote the Bible? What do you think about this? This is what she's doing. And guess what? It's still the same 2,000 years today. And then, and then but, but watch, watch what Jesus does. He doesn't bite. He, does, he doesn't go to the worship thing. He doesn't, he doesn't go to the temple thing. He stays on task. He says, woman, one day none of this is going to matter. But the only thing is going to matter whether you receive what I'm offering you or not. That's the only thing that's going to matter. I'm your Savior. I came for you. I'm the Messiah. I'm I'm the one that wants to give you water to satisfy you. I give you something. I'm giving you something that you will never be thirsty again. It becomes fresh. It becomes a bubbling spring. Listen, let's set that aside. You need me. You need what I'm offering you. You're hurting, and I want to heal your heart. That's what we are to do. Stay on task. Amen. Share the gospel. God's made gifts available to us. that we can share, that we can listen to, that we can use. Listen, the Holy Spirit was given out of Acts 1 for the purpose, to share the gospel, to be witnesses. Yes, it comforts us. Yes, it gives us, it helps us know truth and discernment and convicts absolutely, but it also has been given to us so that we can share the gospel. I want us to take a look at this video clip just today to leave you with Hopefully something that would impact you differently than just me up here blabbing all the time. But I I want you to hear and see the heart of Jesus as we look at this account from the chosen when Jesus encounters the Samaritan woman. Let's watch it.
2: everything I've done oh he must be the Christ
1: (laughs) hey
0: wait (laughs) you're water you forgot your um (laughs) Many of the Samaritans believed because she told them. He didn't reject her, he loved her, and he cut through all the stuff and offered her living water. She put her faith in the Messiah, in Jesus. Then her journey began from there. You're called to reach to stand. Jesus didn't compromise and he reached the unreachables. He didn't lower his standards but he spoke with truth in love. That's what God's called us to do friends. May you receive the call from Jesus today to be his voice. To share his love. To be courageous and Tell people about what you've already found. May you be courageous to reject religion and legalism and realize that Jesus is the only hope and the world needs you to reach them. May we stand, but also may we reach. This is such a beautiful story of not just what Jesus can do, or did do, it's what he still does today through you. Let's pray. Father, thank you today for your kindness, for your salvation, for your heart. God, today we look to your word to show us how we're to reach those around us. What an incredible privilege you've given us to share the gospel. to the hurting, to the broken. Jesus, you said it yourself that you did not come to condemn the world, but to save it. Lord, may we lift our eyes to those around us that need saving. Give us the courage if we lean on the compassion side to recognize that truth is important. And I need to tell them That they need Jesus. And those of us who lean towards the the truth and the, the all word side, God, help us to see them the way that you see them. Help us to consider their perspective and journey and pain. Open our hearts to see them the way that you truly love them. And God, may we walk and the power of the Holy Spirit to be witnesses, to carry your gospel to those around us in our workplaces, and our families. God, today, we hear and receive the call from you that you want to use us. Now go and preach the gospel. And so, Lord, we say yes, and we say yes to you. Just remain with your heads bowed today. If you're here also today, or you're joining us online and you realize that you don't know Jesus, that you have not been transformed from the inside out. Maybe you're here today and you've been, you go to church, you're religious, but your heart is far from God. That's you today and nobody's looking around and you want to give your life to Jesus fresh and new today, just raise your hand right where you are. Just lift your hand up today. Just hold it up so I can see you. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just lift your hand. Amen. I'm going to lead you in a prayer today. And the Bible says that if you believe and put your trust in Jesus, after he has spoken to you, revealed to you that you need him, and you put your faith and trust in Him that you will be saved. Let's all pray together. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me. Cleanse my heart. I put my faith in you today. I put my trust in you today. I believe that you died for me. I believe that you were buried for me, and I believe that you rose from the dead. And From this moment forward. I'm going to tell everyone else about you as well. Thank you for loving me, and thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, we all say amen amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a hand today. If you gave your life to Jesus today, you can fill out the card right in front of you. Just check the box and drop it in the white buckets when you leave, or you can use it and write a prayer request on it, or you can go online and do it as well. Let's all stand to our feet. I'm grateful for you church, I'm grateful for the love of Jesus, I'm grateful for His compassion to you and to me so we can show it to the world. If we can, let's lift our hands to the Lord to receive God's blessing today. Father, anoint us to be the people You've called us to be. May we be lights, may we be Your love, may we carry Your truth courageously. God I pray that as I lift my hands to receive, God I pray that You would bless every person's life here. Bless their hearts, their minds, their bodies. Heal them, restore them. Heal marriages, heal relationships. God, I pray that you would provide everything that they need in their life as they lean into you and put their trust in you. God, when we leave today, we recognize that we are entering our mission field. And may we represent you well. In Jesus' name, we all say amen and amen.